We continue to mock the 2012 NBA draft. I'm Tim Roy for Warriors.com. We are now at pick number 13 in the lottery. One more to go as we mock the 2012 NBA lottery. Let's run down our selections. First of all, the Hornets took the franchise changer, Anthony Davis, the forward from Kentucky. And then the Thomas Robinson of Kansas went to Charlotte. Michael Kidd-Gilchrist of Kentucky goes to Washington. Harrison Barnes of North Carolina on his way to Cleveland. Bradley Beal, the guard from Florida, goes to Sacramento. And the pride of Oakland, Damian Lillard of Weaver State, will find a home in Portland. Now the Warriors pick, taken by Tom Tolbert of KMBR, was Jared Sullinger of Ohio State. And then Toronto, Dion Waiters of Syracuse, goes to Toronto. And then with... The ninth pick, Andre Drummond of UConn on his way to Detroit. New Orleans back on the clock. They took Austin Rivers, the guard from Duke, and Portland with the number 11 selection. Their second pick in the lottery took Jeremy Lamb, the guard from Connecticut. And then with the 12th pick in the 2012 NBA mock draft, the Milwaukee Bucks took Terrence Jones of Kentucky. That brings us to the Phoenix Suns. And John Bloom is their pre- and post-game host for the Suns. And, and uh, John, it's got to be a, an odd feeling in Phoenix right now because the team has been so successful for so long. But right now they're sort of on the outside looking in, and they've got a big you know, decision to make with Steve Nash and, and his age. Do you load up for one more, you know, short window run, maybe like what Boston is doing, or do you take it apart and try to build again? Yeah, you're right, Tim. I mean, that's the, the number one question that's facing this organization, and, and I think that they're not even sure yet what's going to happen because a lot of that's going to depend on, you know, what Steve decides. And, uh, you know, I think there's there's part of the organization that feels like it is time to move on and that, uh, you know, Steve – uh, we'll find another place. Uh, there's going to be plenty of offers. Uh, everybody believes for his services, and uh, and you know the the Suns know that that you know the time is now to, to to probably start that rebuilding process. In the past couple of years, they've been trying to rebuild while staying relevant, while staying competitive. And uh, you know this past season, they actually fought really hard and and just finished on the outside looking into the playoffs. But uh, you know, had they even made it there, I think we all probably could guess how it would have went down with the Spurs in the first round. So I think, you know, at this point, uh, the, the, as far as the front office is concerned, you know, they're weighing their options. They're basically coming up with two separate plans. One plan is, should Steve Nash really want to come back here uh, and play for two years because I don't think they're willing to give him a three-year deal, uh, then they'll move forward, uh, you know, with, with uh, one plan. The other plan would be if Steve finds another home, now we've got to go find a point guard and probably – start rebuilding and, and get as much young talent in here as possible, potentially holding on to some of that cap space that they have for next season because they've made uh, mention several times that they're not going to rush out to spend all this money just because they have it. Uh, they're going to be patient with it. They know some of the mistakes they made the last time when they lost Amari Stoudemire and they ran out and signed some ill-advised contracts, and they don't want to get buried by that again. And the Warriors know full well how dangerous is it to be right in that middle area. You know, where you're winning, you know, high 30s, low 40s, but you're, you're on the cusp of the playoffs, but you're not good enough. That's a, that's, in the NBA, with the way the rules are right now, that's a very tough place to be. The worst place to be. I mean, really, if you're, at least if you're awful, you realize you got a shot at getting an Anthony Davis-type player. Uh, and and if you're uh, if you're obviously on the other end, then you're fighting for a championship. But to be in that middle ground, it's definitely the last place you want to be in the NBA. Uh, and I think that the Suns have a, a little bit of a 
uh, conflict because, you know, here's a guy, Steve Nash, who not only helps him from a basketball standpoint, but he definitely helps him from a, a relevant standpoint, an excitement standpoint, and a bond with the fan base. Uh, so when you lose that, uh, you really have to prepare as an organization and, and as a fan base to, that you may take a, a significant step back, which is something that this team really hasn't done a lot of, even in the over 40 years that they've been in existence. I mean, one thing that a lot of people forget is they're the fourth winningest franchise in the NBA in their existence, yet they've never won a championship. But they've won so many games in the regular season that it's set this fan base up for this mentality that if we're not competing for a championship and we're not built as a contender, uh, we're going to tune out. And, and that's unfortunate, but that's, that's the way that they are. Yeah, it's, it's a very, very tough spot after a great uh, series of years. And, of course, Jerry Colangelo uh, building this franchise and helping get the building and, and just great history in Phoenix. But uh, let's move on to the um, the roster right now. And, and I point toward the division as a reason why the Warriors made their trade with Monte Ellis and Bogut because the Lakers are big, the Clippers are big, uh, Sacramento has DeMarcus Cousins, and now the Suns have a five to really deal with in Gortat. Talk about Martian Gortat because I think he's a guy that, that's going to get better and better, and he, right now I think he's one of the better guys in the league at pick and roll. He is. Uh, you know, let's let's not discount who his partner is on that pick and roll. Uh, and I think that that's something that a lot of people here are concerned with. Uh, they're wondering if he loses that partner. If Steve Nash is no longer running that pick and roll, is Gortat still going to be as effective? Because let's be honest, when, when Nash is running that, uh, the passes that he lays on Gortat or anybody else he's played with are, are pretty much unparalleled uh, as far as the, the accuracy and, and the way he's able to do it uh, and the timing. So, you know, there's a lot of people who are curious to see if Gortat can be as effective without Steve Nash. Uh, and it's not just as effective, it's, it's how significant of a drop-off is that going to be. Uh, he's not the biggest for a guy who's going to start in the middle. Uh, he's, he's lost, uh, you know, some battles just based on size alone. Not going to lose a whole lot on energy level. He, he usually brings that every night. But, uh, you know, he, he definitely is, is a little undersized, but I think... You know, as he progresses and, and his offensive game is definitely sharpened up, let's let's remember he, he really is coming off his first full season of being able to, to get the kind of minutes he got uh, because he had always been the backup for Dwight Howard in, in Orlando. So uh, now that he's got that, I think, you know, there's there's two combating ways of looking at the Polish machine, as he prefers to be called. Not the Polish hammer anymore. He's now the machine. Uh, the, the way to look at him is, Either he's going to take a significant step back because Steve Nash is in here, or he's going to continue to improve his offensive skills. Uh, and, you know, he'll get beat defensively based on size a lot of times, but he's, uh, he's one of those guys that's an effort guy, too, which I think a lot of people like and, and are big on here. Does Gortat make Lopez a, a movable piece? Yes. Uh, you know, Robin Lopez is going to get a mid-level, uh, you know, offer, and, and that's at best. You know, they're not going to pay him more than – you know, four or five million dollars a year. So if he's going to get something else out there on the market, then uh, the likelihood of him moving is is there. Uh, and and the problem with Robin is he'll give you one great game a month, and that's really it. I mean, it really gives you one a month tops, and and there's just no consistency there, and there hasn't been since he came in. Now that said, the guy's in his early twenties still. He's still very young, and that's something people forget because these guys come in at such a young age, but. You know, Robin Lopez, 23, 24 years old, you give up on a guy with that kind of size. I think my biggest question of Robin and people in the Bay Area know him well uh, is, does he love basketball? Is he in it because he's seven feet and, he, and he's got that ability? Uh, or, or is he in it because he really wants to be good at, at his craft? And, and 
you know, that's something I don't think has been proven yet. That's a, that's always the X factor. You know, what kind of a heart does a guy have, and what kind of a motor does he have? And that that's that's a that's a great point. Um, Markeith Morris, do you, do you like him? I do. I like Markeith. Uh, you know what he's shown in this offseason has has uh, kind of improved his uh, approval rating, if you will, because he's worked his butt off. Uh, and uh, you know, I think what happened with Markeith is something that's happened with rookies probably since the uh, the dawn of of the NBA, which is uh, you know when you when you get into a league where the the pace is at such a higher level, even though he played high level college basketball at Kansas, uh, competing for championships. You get to the NBA, you play all those games, you have all those practices, although we didn't really have that much last year because of the way everything lined up. But just that situation really took a toll on Marquis because he was asked to play significant minutes right off the bat. And uh, that uh, he hit a wall about midway through the season, and that wall lasted a good month. And then he got sick, uh, got like a combination of the flu, and I don't know what else it was, but it really took a toll on him. Once he got healthy towards the end of the season, he started coming back. The thing that really surprised people was his range. He is a, an excellent shooter, made a lot of people think about Rasheed Wallace-type comparisons because of the fact that he can be strong down low and he can step outside and stretch the defense. Uh, so I think they're excited about Marquise Morris, and I think they still really uh, are happy with the fact that they chose him with the same exact number pick that they're going to have in, in this year's draft, number 13. Okay, John, so you've heard our mock draft. You know who is off the board right now. And the Phoenix Suns, if it plays out the way it is, how will they pick with the number 13 selection? Well, you know, as a, as a Bay Area guy uh, and with the lineage of Suns point guards coming from my favorite uh, college, University of California, Berkeley, I would love for them to go with Jorge Gutierrez, but I think it's a little high uh, for the man from Chihuahua. So I, I am actually going to stay at the point guard position uh, and the reason is that we don't know what's happening with Steve Nash. And even if Nash is back, you still want to have an heir apparent. And right now the best guy on the board is definitely Kendall Marshall from North Carolina. So that's the that's the direction the Suns go at number 13. Uh, and I think that uh, it's a direction that they'll be very excited to be able to take if he's available uh, come next Thursday night. First of all, very nice cow bear shameless plug. Um, <laughs> and, and second of all, you know, it's exactly – uh, I'm looking at DraftExpress.com. It's exactly who they have uh, the Suns selecting at number 13. So obviously that you know obviously the point guard position is a concern for everybody, but but definitely with the Nash situation, it seems it seems to make a lot of sense. And you know I think now in the NBA, young point guards are kind of like young centers. You know and the, some of them come and they they hit their stride right away. Others may take a, a year or so to really figure it out. And I think Marshall's the, that kind of a guy. I think in a couple of years, I think he'll he'll be a pretty good player. Yeah, I agree, and it seems like you know the, the the team is really interested in him. He's had a couple visits to Phoenix to to work out, and uh, so if he's there, I, I definitely think he's the the pick. A lot of people are are pointing towards Jeremy Lamb because he's all also made multiple visits. Uh, but I would side with the point guard too. I, I think it's just such an important position, uh, and uh, you know he showed glimpses of being that guy uh, in college. We didn't get to see a whole lot of them in one year, but, you know, that's the way it's been going in the NBA is a lot of times you take these guys on potential, and clearly he has a high level of that. And who knows, they could probably bring in Gutierrez as a, as a free agent backup as well. I like it, the defensive <laughs> stopper. John, thank you so much. All right, thank you, Tim. Take care. All right. So the Phoenix Suns have made their selection at 13 in our 2012 
mock draft. I'm Tim Roy. Coming up, the Houston Rockets will close out the lottery here at Warriors.com.